if you don't have a relationship or three or four or five relationships with people who, who you might you might sell to someday, you, you may think you're not going to, but it's good to get to know the people who, who, who would likely buy your company. This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PMP Industry Insider Podcast, where we take a look at what is changing in the industry. And we take you to the front lines for those that are driving those changes. As always, I'm Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Home Services, which has Triangle Pest as well as Triangle Lawn. And with me is the ever-present, all-knowing, and lovable guy, Mr. Dan Gordon. Dan, would you like to say good afternoon, introduce our topic, our guest, our sponsors? Um, I think that's it. Let's do that. No, let's see if I let, let's see if I could do this without messing it up. Okay, so uh, good afternoon. It's uh, Dan Gordon from PCO and M and A Specialists Accounting and Exit Planning Services uh, for the pest and lawn industry. Uh, just uh, you may have heard the news that we've expanded uh, PMP Industry Insider offerings to uh, include peer groups with uh, industry veteran David Billingsley. We we put several groups together since we started this to learn more. Go back and listen to episode number one thirty six or visit pmpindustryinsider.com backslash peer groups. Also, uh, our sponsors for this episode are Colmarch by Workwave. If you need marketing services, it's colmarch.com. And then for insurance, our other sponsor, Platinum sponsor, is PestSure. If you need insurance for the uh, pest control industry, that's pestsure.com. And uh, today, two very, very special guests, good friends of mine. Uh, we're going to be talking about how to craft a successful transition. And uh, two friends of mine are uh, co-founders and brothers-in-laws, Mike Romney and Bryant White, who sold their door-to-door, uh, who sold door-to-door uh, in the early 2000s. For large pest control companies as summer sales reps and eventually Mike founded uh, a door-to-door marketing firm called Romney Services working for Orkin and uh, in 2012 he and his brother-in-law um, Bryant uh, la- launched Fox Pest Control and so over t- 11 years they grew it to 120 million dollars with 1300 associates before selling to Rollins earlier this year so we talked with uh, Mike and Brian early in 2021, I think it was episode 23, uh, how values, attitudes, attributes drive culture at Fox Pest Control. So today we're going to discuss how they grew their company so rapidly and what it looks like for a successful uh, transition out of your business. And so I, we uh, welcome, guys. Just uh, great to have you. Yeah. Yeah. Gr- glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's yeah. always good to spend time with you too. You guys are I, great yeah. friends to both of us. You know, I have yeah. to say, last time we we had you guys on the podcast, I so I have this remarkable, which you can't see unless you do. I took like eight pages of notes. So I'm pretty sure it'll be the same way this way. So welcome back. Um, you know, this is a such a in my mind, this is such a uh, fantastic topic because you know, every I think every owner at some point has to face this question of what does a transition look like? I mean, no matter what. You know, you, you got into the business. It's like coming in the world, you're going to have to leave, right? And it's the same thing with the business, right? You're going to come into the business and at some point you have to work a transition. And, and you you guys' story is beyond amazing. It's it's phenomenal. And and I've obviously I've been out to visit with you guys and and I will tell you and I will tell our listeners that Fox is the real deal. 
Um, Absolutely. You know, when I've been out and the culture is amazing, what you guys have built is amazing. And I'm always in awe and I never leave a meeting from you guys without taking a ton of notes. So welcome. I want to get into our first question, which is, did you guys start out with like this big vision of like, we're going to go and we're going to, we're going to, you know, from 2012 to 2023, we're going to go to this, you know, this crazy number. We're going to have 1300 associates. And then, and then after that, we're going to, we're going to move on. Is, is that kind of how it got started or how did it get started? <laughs> go ahead, Mike. Well, you know, that's it. Um, at the outset, you know, we didn't envision Foxwood turn into what it is today. Uh, we always believed that we'd be successful, but but probably not on this scale. We we feel extremely blessed. And Brian and I, you know, we have to give so much of the credit to the growth and success of our uh, of Fox to our amazing group of people that we call the Fox family. Um, we also believe you look at the last 12 to 15 years and the unprecedented growth in the economy. And sometimes Brian and I just chalk it up to that, that almost anybody that worked hard and believed in people and tried to do things uh, by correct principles could be successful the last 12 or 15 years. So we don't know if we can take a lot of the credit. And that's just kind of our nature. We believe in in uh, working hard, but we just believe we did it as a team. But we grew into our vision. And yes, we had to adapt and we changed our vision over time. But uh, Brian and I originally thought that we could start two or three locations and uh, maybe over a five to 10 year period, add one or two more to that. And um, wow, if we could get a few locations up to doing two to $4 million each, we would be happy with that. And, um, but, uh, but you know, what we did starting off is we just had the most important values and principles in place. Um, what, what we believed was the most important principle was growing people and believing in people and giving them the autonomy to grow. And that's really, our vision changed as we grew and we grew because of our people. Brian, what would you add to that? Oh, I just echo everything you said. I, I, I don't think we, yeah, I don't I think we ever even had our wildest dreams thought we would be this big. It wasn't our ambition. It wasn't our goal. It, um, we, I think our goals were satisfied by much, but much lower numbers in terms of dollars and success and those sorts of things. We, our vision has always been centered around, um, like Mike said, growing and developing people, but also around our, we have had a strong family focus and, and, um, and we believe that time is, is, is sacred and important and special. And, and, and what can we do with our time? Cause it's our most valuable asset. And how can we use that time for the benefit of other people um, outside of just ourselves? And, and, um, and so those were part of our goals was were, were to be able to um, focus on our family a little bit more and, and, um, and then be able to focus on 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 being doing good in the world for other people and and um, and and what we found in the process was really fascinating and interesting because we found that that what we were doing as we were growing people was a lot of what what, what centered around our purpose for even starting the business. It was kind of the end goal became um, became part of just what we did every day. And so as we were building kind of a dream and a goal for ourselves. We found there was other people that, you know, had the same, and that's how you align with people. You have similar, similar values, similar, you look at life similarly, um, and, 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 and you, you align with those people who are the best kind of people you can, you can find and give them an opportunity to grow. And it was, it was just remarkable what happened. So I know that we, I just have to stop here for a second because 
this is absolutely an amazing story. And, and you guys are nowhere near giving yourself enough credit in my mind. So I'm just going to say that, but like to attract 1300 people and to grow a business at scale and size that you did, you guys have to be amazing at showing the vision. And, you know, we talk about the original vision for you and, 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 you know, I wrote down, okay, growing people, growing opportunity. I think that's fantastic. And then, and then, and I believe that I, I certainly believe that you did. My question is, is like, what, what vision would pull that many people to your business? Like, what, what did you guys, I mean, like, what, does that make sense? What I'm asking? Like, what is that? Like, what would be, how did you guys develop? How did you guys develop your leadership skills to get everybody to say, we want to follow these guys. We're willing to take a bullet for them. What did you, because when you started, you, you you know, you you probably were thinking, gee, uh, I just want to make a paycheck. And then ultimately it started getting better and better. And, you know, when you start a, a, a pest control company, making a paycheck's a big deal because you're usually negative. You know, you're, you usually have more month month than money. So, you know, how did, how did you develop that? Well, um, you know, that's a really good question. So it was a process. Bryant and I had to grow into it ourselves. And the first thing mm-hmm. I would say Listen, um, Brian and I are brother-in-laws. We've been close for a lot of years, and and that has been a big strength. Number one, starting off from the very very beginning, because it was just us, and um, we we see the world very similar. We believe in the same principles and values, which really was important, and um, and we leaned on each other's strengths. And I, I couldn't have done it without Brian. I mean, he is awesome. He's great. Anybody that knows Brian just knows the strengths that he has, and. Um, and then <laughs> when we talk about leadership, it wasn't very long after we started that Brian and I realized that we were in over our heads. <laughs> <laughs> we we started to become students of leadership, right? And um, I mean, we'd been to college and we'd done different things, but it's not applicable until you're right in the middle of it. And you're starting to figure out like, wow, how am I going to lead this organization? And so we started studying so many of the greats that write about leadership and, uh, and, and we've talked about this before, a little bit about the core values that we came up with. And one of the things that we found as far as creating a vision is people are attracted when you have a vision of what you stand for and who you are. You also need to have a vision of where the company is going. But what we really hung our hat on at first is what we stood for. And what what if you came and worked here, you know that we're, we believe in these principles and these values and this is who we are. And we stood on that for a long time. We still do. Um, as far as creating a vision for the company, um, I'll say this, Brian, and then just let you kind of comment on that question is that we did start to really quickly in that f- end of the first year, end of our second year, um, we kind of had a rude awakening like, wow, it was a great awakening because we were growing faster than we were ready to, faster than our infrastructure was prepared to do. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the name of the game over the last 11 years. We would wake up after every summer and be like, oh, our infrastructure four months ago is not in place for the growth that we just experienced. So we started to have to think about vision for our people. And it's great when you're growing that fast because it's you can really quickly turn to all your people and say, hey, you know what? By this time next year, you're going to have a different position, a better leadership position in our company because we're growing fast. And that was a lot of fun. Um, to search for talent and to grow our people. Um, Brian, your, your thoughts? Oh, I love your, I love everything you said and couldn't agree more. 
I'll never forget when, um, you, you know, so much of our, Mike is a, is a, is, is he's very studious. He, he's always reading. He's always learning. And um, so much of the success of our company um, really comes from a lot of just Mike's ideas and, his, and that pace that he sets of, of always learning, always growing, always trying to push himself to the next level. And, th and that principle of that Mike just, just talked about that we weren't ready for it. Boy, if you if if we don't keep our own personal growth and development ahead of what the company needs, we get we really get in trouble. And so, um, gosh, it was that was such a blessing that that's just one of Mike's just natural attributes and strengths is to always be pushing that in, in himself and everybody else tries to keep pace with that. And that goes a long ways for um, for creating vision, Downey, that you asked about is is just you, you put a guy up that's it's a great example to people and and they just want to follow that person and and like mike talked about talking about what you stand for is actually um more more important in aligning people with you than than it is uh, than than hey this is where the company is going uh, and when you're sitting down and visiting and interviewing somebody that's a potential candidate to be hired or you're trying to recruit them um the most important thing that, that we try to get to very first is what what are their personal goals and what are they trying to accomplish and what's what matters to them, and and all of those questions come out um, because we're also looking for that alignment so that um, because in so because our goal really in essence is to help them to to get to accomplish their goals if those goals are are kind of in the path of what Fox can provide and. Um, and that's, I think that's how we, that's how we um, attracted a, a lot of people came to Fox because of what we believed in, what we stood for. And then we threw our weight behind their goals that happened to be um, attainable inside of what we could provide them in our company. Let me just add one other thing to that um, is that one of the things that we realized early on is that Bryant and I had to get more articulate on our vision and what we stood for. And that was where Brian and I had a lot of growth. And I would, we would really encourage anybody that's well, wherever you are in the company, but if you're a long ways in the company, you've probably got here. But I think we can always get better at that. Even in our, even in our last year in business, our 11th year, that we, we were always focused on how do we articulate our vision better? One of the things we did is we did a, a culture book and we started that fairly early on. We should have started it even earlier, but that culture book um, really articulated clearly and visually what we what our vision was and what we believed in and one of the things that Bryant and I it probably took us by surprise is that because we articulated our vision and our values and who we were and where we were going as a company we we articulated it fairly well um and every year we think we got better at it people bought into that and we had people coming from uh, other industries and our industries that wanted to be part of our team it was a natural recruiting effort when we articulated our vision and our values and principles the uh, the right way. And those, um, and, and so then we had a little bit of a problem that we would have people coming and saying, I wanna be part of your team. I wanna do what you guys are doing. Um, so many of our reps wanted to start branches, uh, which we weren't, we weren't really expecting, right? They're like, hey, I wanna go do what you guys are doing. Can I just come start a, a branch location? And that happened fast and and probably almost too fast we got to where we had to create a list and say okay 
if you want to start a Fox branch with us, um, here's the requirements. And we kind of had to slow that down a little bit. So on the uh, culture book, I, I received several of them over the years. Who is the audience, right? You, you would send one to me, and uh, but but who who got most of those books? Go for it, Brent. Our, our people. It's the people who work for us because okay. it's 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 not just about um, it's as it's as much about being um, like Mike said, uh, being articulate to attract the people, but it's also about making sure that those core values are 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 on the forefront of people's minds. In fact, you. You develop a language inside. Every organization has kind of a language. We all speak whatever language we speak, English or whatever it might be, but but your company and your organization, churches, groups of people, organizations kind of adopt a language. And we wanted to make sure that our language was built around what we wanted to be built around. And that was our that was our, our vision and our values. And so our, our number one target audience from day one was always our people. And um, but it was also... So, so you can see them on the wall behind me. I'm in the office. We've got these core values up here. And, um, and, and when we would interview a candidate, they would sit very intentionally on the opposite side of the table to where they were looking at the core values behind us. And they would look at them and they would study them and they'd say, oh, that, I, I believe in that or I, I like that one or I, I like this or what does that mean? And it would be a great talking point. And um, and we would get people ask fairly often that come from other organizations that um, if they were brave enough to ask, do you, do you actually live those, you know, and um, because they've they've worked at organizations where they have core values that might sound similar or that that are very, uh, you know, that are that, that, that would be something that they'd be attracted to. But um but uh, they, you know, they, they didn't see it lived out in the organization. And, and so there was there's some skeptical, some skepticism amongst our candidates. And, and Mike and I had to be the the uh, the standard bearers and, and rightfully so. And we loved it. We obviously embrace that. But but what you're really doing in, in building a team is you need highly capable people who can perform at a high level and all these great things and great leaders. But you have to have standard bearers that, that really carry the flag. On, on, on the vision and the values. You, you said something there that I just want to highlight for our audience, because I think it is critical. And, and then, and then I want to move into a transition because we're talking about just the setup here, but, but you, you, you mentioned it and I just want to highlight it. And that is because I see this a lot, you know, oftentimes I feel like folks have an idea like, Hey, it would be great if my company could run this way. Hey, it would be great if we could do this. And so they, they sit down and they articulate the vision. They, they sit down and they articulate the values but then the leader never aligns behind that, right? And so there's no connection between this is what I'm saying versus this is what I'm doing. And I mean, that's kind of the that's kind of what you pick up when you become a leader, right? When when you when you do that, that's that's just such a critical part that I feel like, I mean, I, I don't want to sound negative, but it it absolutely is. I see folks mess that up so much because it's, they don't understand that, okay, well, if, if, if this is what, if this is a standard that we're going to set, I've got to be above that, or at least to that. Otherwise people are not, I'm not going to have the moral authority to, to really, you know, to, to, to create the belief, right? I mean, when you look at the culture book, which I've seen that culture book, I know you guys have several versions of, it's amazing. Like, yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> it absolutely it, it, is amazing. The production is just fantastic. That's, but, you know, one of the reasons I asked who, who else does it go to? You know, it's but, just, it's but, just but terrific. The, 
the key point I want to make about that culture book, though, is it's tying back the realism of this is who we say we are, and here's the valid proof that that's what's really happening here. I think that's the, for me at least, I, that's the part that I it really resonated with me when I looked at it. It's like, okay, this is this is not just people talking. This is actually happening. So, all right. With that, Dan, do you want to go ahead and lead us into yeah, our next part? But, yeah, but before that, uh, just two things. So I had two kids who graduated from college uh, while we were working together. And their senior years, I showed them the culture book, both of them. And they both said, I want to work for them. So, <laughs> you know, so, so. That's awesome. <laughs> so, that. uh, anyway, yeah. So, uh, you know, when, when when we started working together, you came to visit us in uh, New Jersey, and uh, I think you were doing like seven or eight million dollars. And uh, you know, um, you know, it, 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 by the end, you were over a hundred millions of dollars, uh, or over a hundred million dollars. Uh, how did you do it? And from a leadership perspective, right? You're talking, okay, we can create the vision and everything. Administratively, how do you put together over a thousand people? You know, like an org chart, right? Uh, 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 an accountability chart. What, what what were your thoughts going into that? Brian, why don't you start us off? Yeah. You know, um, I could just say we made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> you know, and there's a lot of mistakes to make, you know. Um, and when you're small, you just, there's titles that you kind of give out a little early, you know, a little tile inflation because you think you need a CFO, but you really don't, you're not big enough to have a CFO yet. Or, mm -hmm. and we have a great CFO, by the way, he's awesome. He's a wonderful guy, but, but it's easy to over title somebody along the way and, and make a few mistakes. And we, um, you know, and it's all, it's always changing. And one of the challenges with it is that, uh, we just we talked about earlier, Mike brought up that we had to grow to keep up with our company, but not everybody did. And and um, and so you have, sometimes you have to top grade your talent and and becoming good at that and trying to make sure that people have a good transition if, if they're not if they're just not, you know, up to par anymore in that in that role, because it just it takes more and more every every time our company grew. So it was an iterative process. And boy, there was so many people that deserve the credit in this people that we reached out to who are good mentors to us. We, we can't even, we can't talk about Fox pest control without giving a shout out to Sam Hagopian and who runs Excel pest and termite in, in Bergen County, New Jersey, who introduced us to Dan Gordon. That's how we got created. Yeah. Yeah. Sam and so grateful for him as a mentor and um, Ian, you know, Ian at Massey, Ian Robinson and and uh, it, it, there's so there were just a lot of great people. And Dan, you were a you were a great mentor to us. And so it, just reaching out and networking and and that's a great thing about our industry that we love so much is that people are really generous. And um, so I, I just maybe go with that and maybe throw it to Mike for whatever thoughts you might have. Yeah. Um, thanks, Brian. I agree with all that. And we we you know when you look at the company and developing the structure, I just want to touch on this briefly. We always viewed ourselves from the beginning as a leadership development company, not a pest control company. And that is, I think, an important distinction for Bryant and I is we were a people first, people centric company that teach, teaches people leadership principles that just happens to do pest control. That was our complete focus. So from the beginning, whether that person was talented or not, we just focused on building them. And that was the secret to building our infrastructure. Um, growth for us was natural. 
and organic because we believe in empowering people. And I, I can't tell you how what an important principle that is. I see so many leaders of companies, it's all about them. And, and so we believe in actually giving the power to our people to have a say in what we're going to do, to counsel. The collective intelligence is so important. So in those early days and all the way through our company, our group of people helped us run the company. They helped make those decisions. Ultimately, it came down to Bryant and I to make the decision. But trusting our people and giving them autonomy, purpose, and, and being able to master their craft, people flourish in that environment. Now, occasionally we'd have somebody in there that just wasn't up to standard and we would either have to coach them out or coach them up or coach them out. But um, that's really an important part. The other thing that was really fascinating, we, we naturally grew really quickly because of the door-to-door -door sales aspect. But from day one, we used, uh, we, we started our digital marketing, which was also very important. It, it's changed. The world has changed so much in digital marketing in 11 years that Donnie would be the expert and know that. But, that was an important part to build that structure um, and scaling. Uh, we've mentioned it before, but it, it's so important to what I think the, some of the mistakes that we made early on and we, we had amazing people and still do. And most of those people have stayed with us over the years. But when do you know when you need that person? Right. I mean, I remember Brian and I passing on a couple great hires that we should have hired. And then literally like three to four months later being like, what were we thinking? Why did we pass on that guy? Let's go find somebody else because that person was gone. That is a question. So I would actually spend more money a little bit sooner on finding the talent and building some of those places uh, in our organization when we maybe didn't know that we needed them or we didn't want to spend the money. Absolutely. One of the things that you just said is really important. When I hear a lot of people talk about their business, they say we're a sales organization that performs pest control. You guys are a leadership development organization and everything comes in under that. That 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 that's profound. That's that that's good stuff. Yeah. So. All, right. All right. So let's talk about uh accounting let's you know what's what, what you know uh, obviously you get bigger you need an org chart you need to 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 control everybody or to 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 get everybody singing off the same sheet of music how do you control your finances what uh tell me about uh you know we 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 got in early with you and helped you but uh tell us about the experience of what you need uh to go from uh you know seven or eight million to a hundred million or, or more well, you know, uh, when you're starting off, all you really need is a, is a good Excel spreadsheet, apparently, because that's all we had. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll never yeah. forget, Dan, when we engaged you and uh, we were talking and, and you talked about QuickBooks. And, and I remember thinking that you would assume that we had a, a, an accounting software and, and we, were just, we were just biting our lip a little bit because we were just on Excel and and um, and then we kind of turned our books over to you to look at them, and and uh, Mike and I were just we were so anxious to hear how we how we stacked up, you know, and have you look at our look at our uh, our books. But we were also a little bashful about the about the our accounting our accounting methods because we were just on Excel and we were we were doing I don't remember what we were doing at the time. But it was millions, you know, it wasn't it wasn't probably ten million, but it wasn't it wasn't one million either, you know. Yeah. It, it, yeah. 
So um, Excel was what we did. And then, of course, we, we, we jumped to QuickBooks. And QuickBooks is great, but it doesn't roll up uh, branches really well. Was, we found out, you know, that was the challenge. If you have a lot of locations, QuickBooks has a hard time consolidating a P&L. And, and um, that was our software, it, just in terms of software tools. The, the people is, 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 are more important. But, uh, and eventually, we went to kind of something more of an enterprise type of a solution. We ended up on Workday eventually. But um, that was our software journey. Um, our, 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 our Brock Searle was one of those people that Mike talked about. We, we he just, uh, he was an accountant and, um, and he needed a, he wanted a, a job working for us. He, Brock's a, a great story, by the way, he started off as a technician going through college. He became a sales rep and sales manager and finished his college degree and was looking for a job. And, 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 and we passed on him. Uh, giving him a job just because we were just didn't know if we were ready to hire an accountant. And, um, and boy, it was just three months later, we went back to Brock and just, and, and, and just about begged him to come on board because we love Brock, <laughs> just the perfect guy, you know, That's and um, he's been with us all along and, and, and just appreciate him so much, but, but having him and then having a great network of, of, of accountants that, uh, you know, we've got Bill Tanner, who uh, has a great accounting firm up in in uh, in Idaho, Southeast Idaho, uh, Searle Hartness Associates. He's just an amazing guy, great with tax, and and um, and and he was part of our network. And Dan, you were just so critical to helping us form a chart of accounts and and um, and and starting to think about pest control in the right way and benchmarking all these. You know that, that you've got it down to a science. And and um, fortunately, when you looked at our books, we were doing okay. You know, our gross margins were in line or better than some of your other clients. And we, we were glad to find out that we stacked up okay, but we were a little nervous about that. So, you know what? When you charge the right amount, everything falls into place. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the way true. pest control is, you know? <laughs> if you, it, 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 but, but it was funny. I remember the first time I, I asked to see some general ledgers and I kept getting Excels. And I, and I said to Brock, I said, no, where's your general ledger? Where's your QuickBooks? And he looked at me like I had two heads. And, <laughs> So that, that was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, and it is funny. We we kind of joke that um, a lot of sales or a high dollar amount can cover, you know, a lot of mistakes. Yes, and yes, that, absolutely. That is, that is true. Ch charging the right amount, right? That's good for the customer and good for the team. You can, if you find that middle ground there, you can, uh, it just allows you to pay your people good and to, and to have a great organization. But one of the things that we really learned when, when we engaged with Dan and, and Brian had mentioned that Sam Agopian was using Dan um, and, and that was such a great connection. We were eager and hunger, hungry to get, you know, here's a, here's a guy who is second to none in the pest control world that knows the, the, the inside and out the financials of a pest control company. And so we were so excited to say, Dan, what, I mean, you go down the ledger of expenses, what percentage should we be spending on gas? What percentage should we be spending on buying trucks on our chemicals? And, and we had our percentage we were spending. We, we didn't know if they were right or wrong. Um, but here's a guy that's got um, years of experience with multiple companies, hundreds of companies that can look at our, looked at our books and says, hey, Mike and Brian, you guys are doing great here, here, and here. You're above here and you're doing really good, but you could have improvement here. That was so valuable to us. And that gave us the confidence when we got Dan on our team as part of our group, that gave us the confidence to spend more money to grow. 
because we knew that everything was kind of in balance. Prior to that, it was just a little bit of a shot in the dark, to be honest. Um, we were still doing fine, but you know, knowing where our gross margin was stacking up to the best in class of the companies, of other companies, super important. Knowing our net margin and where that was, that, you know, depending on the age of your company or your goals, how much growth you want to have, and door to door is super expensive. Knowing where we can and can't be on that net margin was super important. Re you know, retention, our, our CAC, our customer acquisition costs, door to door versus organic. Dan was really good in saying, well, you probably should be spending more money on your inside sales. And we were already doing inside sales, but that was when we said, let's dump tons more money. Matter of fact, everything we could, we put into to inside sales after, after we had met with Dan for about a year. Um, you know, your annual recurring revenue versus one-time revenue, all these things you just... You've got to have a really great accounting team, and and we just are grateful for Dan and, and our and our internal team because they work so well together. And that was what was great is Dan and Bill and other people helped our internal people grow into their positions better. They really they, they really did help us to perform at a way a way higher level, and um and that confidence and I, I would just echo everything Mike said. It was a uh, it was that was definitely a, a a a critical part of our business and our growth and our development because there was no way we would have ever reached out and and hired Dan we couldn't have afforded Dan but to have to have the services and the mentorship and you you really fit you you're and and this is uh, you know, not meant to be a sales pitch for for PCO bookkeepers but but I would just say that you fill a niche in the industry that is so so valuable because. All of our, when we were the size that we were when we engaged you, and um, and there's hundreds of pest control companies out there that would fit that same size. Um, boy, there's just, it gives you access to high level accounting, thinking and and measurement methods and all of those things without the the massive expense of a, of a, of a big time CFO. So it's a big deal. Well, yeah. thanks on that. Yeah, thanks on that. Let's, let's move to... Uh, having a cohesive team when doing the, you know, trying to, to create a deal, trying to exit. Um, I really enjoyed working with your legal team. Those guys were amazing. Um, tell me about, uh, you know, uh, how important it is to have a cohesive team to negotiate a deal. And um, I, I think cohesive is the important one because I can tell you we work on a lot of deals and sometimes the relationship with lawyers and accountants um, don't always you know, sometimes they get a little contentious, but uh, tell me about your experience, uh, you know, with that. Go ahead, Mike. Well, yeah, you know, just kind of transitioning to uh, talking about growing our company and, and, and the structure of our company now to, to the, the transition of selling the company, right? Um, there's so much to talk about here. When we talk about a, a, a team to end your question, I'd say we, gosh, we just feel so blessed and, and kind of feel a little bit lucky. Um, just to be honest, we did not have a firm as we started looking. We 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 had we went out we had we've done business with dozens of firms, being in multiple states on different types of law issues or where you need an attorney. But we didn't really have a firm picked out long before. We did kind of go on the search for who would be that, and you know you. You really, I, I, we didn't realize the importance of 
a law firm when we were going into this. We knew it would be important, but we just got so blessed and lucky with Ray Quinney Nebuchadnezzar, who we used. And uh, the the people on that, they've become some of our best friends. If you could even say you're friends with any attorney. Um, <laughs> I'm just joking. There's lots of great ones. But honestly, Brian, I really, really enjoyed our relationship. That was unexpected for us. Um, but, you know, having also Dan on the team was so important and a few people internally inside um, was important. I would just say though, that when you take a step back, you have to start with the end in mind. When you start to think about a team, um, we always thought that we would keep our company. If you were to ask Brian and I three or four years ago, uh, um, especially 10 years ago, we, um, which ended up really being a blessing because it, we were not thinking, Hey, let's be in this thing for five or eight or 10 years and then, and then sell it for a bunch of money. We really built it to last. That served us um, better than anything else in the process, because all the decisions we made were based on long term. It was based on what's right for the company, what's best for the customer. And we also had a relationship when you talk about putting together a good team. We, we had a relationship with a lot of people in the industry. Um, Rollins, for example, who we ended up you know, coming together with. We'd known those guys for 24 years because we'd worked in the door to door industry with them intimately. And so um, starting with the end in mind, even if you don't think right now that you would sell, uh, I think that this next part of the discussion is going to be so important. I wish we could have maybe uh, thought about that five and six and seven and eight years ago because it just didn't even cross our mind. We feel really blessed to be able to put a, a great cohesive team together, but um, really thinking about look, I know I might not sell now. I might not sell in 10 years, but if I do, what do I need to have prepared? I, I, I think it's really important to talk about that. It was that exact question that you just brought up, Mike. Remember that that actually got us moving in this direction. It's just we had, we had had a discussion that made us, that, that had us thinking about, wow, if we ever sold our company, this could be a complicated process. It could take a long time. And, um, and, and then asking the question, what would we need to do in order to, to, to be able to sell or prepare our company to sell it to another organization? And, um, and, and as you answer that question, it, it actually is, there's, there's a lot of things that there's, there's some unique answers to that question that you would only do if you were going to prepare it to sell. But, but there are also some common answers to that question with, the, with, a, with a sister question that would say, you would ask, what would I need to do with my company if I were going to take a step back, be less involved, spend more time with my family or in the service of other people? And, um, and so, so, so there's a lot of alignment with, with life goals, no matter whether you plan to sell or not, on, on most things. However, there is, in Mike reference, man, if we would have just thought ahead a little bit more, what strength a Mark Cotter at Ray Quinney Nebuchadnezzar and, you know, what he would have brought to our organization had we have engaged him in, in council just years before. And, and, um, and, and it's been a great, that, again, that has been a, such a great friendship and a great value added to us. Yeah, Mark There's is, another thing Mark that I, I think, let me just jump in on this. Um, in the process of a, of a unique team in a transition or transaction, um, what, what, you, what I didn't know going into it is that you know, attorneys, they come in all shapes and sizes. And if you're not careful, 
an attorney can ramrod something that probably is the some I'm trying to find the best word, but let's use that word can ramrod their agenda and it might not be your agenda. And so, and, and that can actually be really crucial. It can really hurt things in, in, in a negotiation or in the deal. And so making sure that there's good alignment and that the attorney understands what you want and, and, and you also listen to them because they've got more experience in, a, in, in selling a company. But at the end of the day, having attorneys that are willing to go to bat for you in a manner and a way that represents you in the right way. For us, for Brian and I, that mattered. Um, relationships mm -hmm. matter all across the board. It has to be a win for us. It has to be a win for the company that's buying us. It has to be a win for our customers. It has to be a win for our people. And so having an attorney that is understands your values and the way you want it to go, that can negotiate and push hard, but not push too hard, not frustrate. So, so both parties are hate each other at the end of the day. That's really hard to find. And that's why we feel really blessed because we, we just feel that, that this team did that. Can, can I just add to that? Because what you just said is I, I've done a few deals and it's so, so important what you just said. Because, you know, if you're thinking about, hey, you know, I'm going to ride down the road and I'm going to see one of these guys that's up on the billboard. and He's pulling his sleeve back and he's getting ready to punch a guy like that's my guy that I want you know, negotiating for me. That is absolutely the wrong tack, right? Because really in the end, <clears throat> there's two parts of the deal, right? There's getting what you want, but really getting what you want, which at the end is it, there, the money is one component, but there's the transition. There's the the culture. There's what happens afterwards. Like it's, and and yeah, if you have this scorch and burn strategy in the end, it, it the wrong attorney can absolutely derail a deal. And so it just to translate a little bit what Mike was just saying there, you know, you need someone who understands the power of a relationship that can hold boundaries when they need to, but they also understand what it takes to make a, a, the deal an actual success and it can't be one-sided. So fantastic. Think, uh, counsel there. One, one, one of the things that you just said um, is in, uh, that they come in all shapes and sizes is that the deals are all shapes and sizes. So you guys were in multiple states, lots of states. So for the, for Mark and I to get on the same page with all the tax um, implications of all of those states, and he understood the tax implications, which a lot of attorneys, you know, sometimes not so much. And so I, I think that that was uh, uh, really a terrific uh, uh, relationship that, that that I forged with Mark. I thought he was excellent. So that that's that's terrific. So um, tell us. Um, you know, now that the deal's done and you've had time to reflect, um, anything you would have done differently? You know, there's a couple of things that, <clears throat> again, just um, it's easier to look back, but we probably should have uh, considered the tax opportunities and advantages and maybe even charitable opportunities a little bit sooner. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Those are things that <laughs> when something comes up and you didn't really think about that. Um, and it's not that we never asked ourselves those questions, but just to be honest, we, we probably could have been served a little bit better to talk about that years in advance. Mm -hmm. So that would be just some, just my counsel or advice to anybody, no matter where you're at or what you think, because here's the thing. You might not think you're ever going to sell like us or like we thought or, or or maybe way down the road. 
and life happens. Um, with us, actually, that was the great thing. It was it was on our, we didn't need to sell. Um, we weren't in a financial spot. Nobody died. Nobody was upset at each other. Like we were having a great time. Um, and what a blessing to be able to sell at your own choosing. But but being prepared because you never know when, gosh, we've had some uh, great companies and great friends in our industry and others that we know that have had to sell because of life changes with health, you know, um, a, a death or or just, you know, tragic uh, health problems. So just, we were not, we were blessed that we never had to sell because we were forced to. But I would just say in, in reviewing the whole process and knowing how long it took and the energy and effort it took, um, boy, we would, anybody would be really served to sit down with some attorneys and with a guy like Dan and, and counsel with them about what does it really look like? What do we need to be thinking, even if it's several years out? Right, right. Brian, anything to add? Yeah, there's a few, actually. I think just along the similar lines, in, in early preparation, not just on the tax planning and the legal side, but you know, we've had a long-standing relationship with Rollins, and and I and I would just say that the, one of the great blessings of this whole thing is is the, the Rollins culture and leadership. They were they were in it for a mutual win as well, and um, and that was we valued that relationship and, and that and the attributes of the good men in in Matt Whiting and Jerry Galoff and Steve Levitt, and those are those are great. Those are just good men who who. Um, they're honest. They do. They they try to do right by people, and and it didn't mean that there wasn't tough negotiations because there were at times. And um, and 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 on that side of things, by the way, Dan came through. He was a dead ringer at times for us. I mean, he just uh, he he was. There was just so, some really. I can remember some kind of critical times in our in 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 our um, in our journey and in negotiating where Dan. Um, you know, he's super helpful all the way through, but there was a couple of times where I was just, I was just like, wow, we, we just, we just have the right guy here. And, um, it, cause it just was just some really shine, great shining moments, but, um, but could we have done more to develop some relationships with other potential acquirers, um, you, you know, a little sooner. And, and I would say for listeners, if you don't have a relationship or three or four or five relationships with people, who, who you might you might sell to someday you, you may think you're not going to but it's good to get to know the people who, who who would likely buy your company and Dan can do a great job of steering and telling you what they're going to look for but there's nothing like having a character reference um, having them have a a face-to-face eyeball to eyeball they know you they've met you you have a, you have somewhat of a relationship with them and and um, I think we could have done that a little bit sooner. Ultimately, we ended up where we ended up, and and I think we were um, immensely blessed. I, I don't think that any of that would have changed any of our outcomes on where we ended up in selling because we just we ended up with the right company. It was the right deal. It was the right time. Everything just lined up. It was it was absolutely just uh, divinely orchestrated. I would say that. Um, but we um, but I think we could have done more to to develop some of those relationships too. Good. Good, good, good. Well, guys, listen, yeah. this, this has been amazing. It's been great. I feel like we could talk all day long. Um, and I, there's so much more I want to ask, but obviously we, we only have, you know, we don't have so much time, but I just want to thank you both for 
coming on the podcast, sharing your 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 wisdom and your thoughts with our audience. Also, want to say congratulations on on a successful transition. I can't think of a, a couple of good guys that just that, that should that you know that could could be better for you guys. So. Super excited about that. And again, just really appreciate all that you're doing and excited about what the next chapter is going to be, right? I mean, there's, this is not the end and we're not dying here, right? It's like, what's next for you guys? And we'll, maybe we'll bring you on to talk about that. But Dan, anything to add before we finish out here? No, stay tuned. But I uh, but I really appreciate your friendship and, uh, and all the kudos and uh, really enjoyed working with you. And I look forward to working with you in the future. So, uh, uh, you know, great conversation and uh, really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, guys, just a reminder, all the resources and topics we talked about today are available on the podcast website, pmpindustryinsider.com. Just take a look under the show notes. And we always appreciate any positive comments, ratings, and views you can send our way. If you have complaints, concerns, or just generally want to complain about something, we ask that you send that to Dan. And with that, we're going to pass out and we'll see you all next time. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.